creators of Relevant Magazine, this is The Relevant Podcast. It's Tuesday, July 30th, 2019, and it's The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and here with me in our Orlando studio on the ones and twos, our illustrious brother, Chandler Strang. Hi. <laughs> on the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. Uh, from Nashville, Tennessee, our senior editor, Tyler Huckabee. Hey, everyone. And not in Nashville today, actually in the Big Apple, mm. New York City, author, speaker, podcaster, cowgirl extraordinaire. NEF Downs. Good morning, gents. Look at this. Look at this city slicker. Look oh, at her. Oh, look at her. Today. Bringing the coastal elite voice into our podcast. <laughs> it's humble, about time. Humble podcast. I've had the voice, just not the zip code to go with it. So here we Giving go. Giving some representation yeah. to the forgotten elites on the coast. <laughs> back, uh, back by popular demand, sitting in with us here in the studio today, uh, my son, nine-year-old podcaster, Cohen Strang. Hello. There you go. He's actually this just This is a highlight for- to me. I really <laughs> like being on the show with Cohen. So he's, this is he's, a dream come I mean, true. I'm, I'm listening and He's sitting here playing Fortnite on his Nintendo Switch, so we probably won't hear anything from Cohen today. But. <laughs> At least not much. Yeah, there you go. Cohen, but I'm back. We're on the show together. I need you to be focused. I need some of your, some of your zingers. Usually, nope. Cohen fills in when Annie's not around. No, that's not true. He told me after he was on the show last week, he's like, Dad, usually I'm only on the year-end recaps. Yeah, yeah, that's what, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like the only other times that I've actually ever been. That's true. But just says a lot that he's a direct fill in for me. <laughs> well, hey, he, he he came in with rave reviews. I think You're Annie a lot of I heard some he would make jokes last week on Friday's show. He would make jokes and I go, Yeah, that's exactly what I would have said. Yep. He's right. Yep. Cohen did a great he's job. He, he he he's getting rave reviews that people want more. And Annie, I think people are mad at you for defending that horrific catch trailer. That Gosh, true. could like, the internet Annie just turn turn on turn on you. Was it you fair? Kicked, you kicked the hornet's nest. It wasn't I fair. I didn't engage. You you went up to that hoarded snatch and you dropped firecrackers right in there and you lit it and you ran. And <laughs> it was hilarious, but very dangerous what you did. What you did was dangerous and reckless. You great. put us all in danger. Uh-huh. We have a great show in store for you today. Coming up later, we talked to uh, rapper Derek Miner. He's joining us. Uh, we're going to talk about like what he sees happening in faith and culture. It's part of our ongoing look at our issue 100 roundtable conversations that we've been bringing you this summer. Um, also, a slight preview, a brief preview of season two of Unedited as uh, yep. debuted yesterday. And um, my guest this week is Christine Kane. So we're going to bring you some of that conversation as well. Got it. But before we get to all that, oh, oh, and probably the most important thing happening on the show, no disrespect to Derek Minor or Christine Kane, at the end of the show... <laughs> All of y'all's dad jokes. Oh, gosh. It is. So just, happy. Just a peek behind the curtain here. And you can see, you know, to what this the, what this wizard deals with every week. On mornings that we do the show, I, I like to wait. I like to wait that morning to pull all the feedback so that everyone has their last chances. It took me forever to freaking go through our Twitter feed <laughs> and pull 500 dad jokes and dump them into the rundown. I went through because I was, you know, I see them on Twitter as people are sending them throughout the week. And I remembered a few. 
few, a few that actually made me laugh. And I didn't see them on your exhaustive list. So I went through this morning and went back five days and found them and put those in. So, dude, they're like, this is a crazy deep feedback this week. Yeah. Wow. This is I've never seen a response to an editorial question of the week like this. You know, for people people are comedians. We didn't know. And now we know. They're comedians. No, no. Okay, I, I did have one. That I, I I was reading them out loud. I was, I was I was like collecting them this morning, and now I'm just going to give a preview. Of Wait, you're going to do one from, now? I just want to do one because it made me laugh. You because are. people, I want people to, to to be excited for the segment. What the power? What so the we power? asked people to send us your best slash worst dad joke, and this is the one that I literally laughed out loud this morning at. This is from Marcus. Why do ducks have feathers so you can't see their butt quack? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so mad because that was my favorite one, and I knew. Really? Uh, yes, I that was my favorite one. I my computer. I went like this. Really good. And really? I, like, I was like, "This is one I probably have to say to really get." So I was like, "Butt quack." <laughs> <laughs> so we got. We, we we've only got about 700 more of those to read yeah. later in the show today. Is this so. is? I have a question here. Is Cameron is part of the 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 long game here? For bringing Cohen a little more often into these, is he being groomed to inherit the mantle? I no, don't mean to talk no, more, I didn't mean to talk mortality this early in the podcast. I know no, it's no, no, still no, early. No, it's, <laughs> there's a couple of things at, at play. One, I was reading a study on podcasting demographics. Then the 2019 oh data came out. Good, okay, good. and the number one podcast listening demographic is 12 to 24. Okay, yeah. and I'm that's thinking pretty, that's pretty huge. So you're bringing thinking, in a nine year old. Hey, you know, I mean. The, the next generation in the future. Next generation. Okay. No, but the main thing is I'm too cheap to do summer camp at the end of the summer. So Cohen's at the <laughs> oh, well. So it's like it's like you read about like Tiger Woods' dad. Tiger Woods' father would put Tiger in the high chair and he would sit there in the garage and hit golf balls for like three hours a night yeah, just exactly. so Tiger yeah. could visually yeah. absorb what a golf swing. So before Tiger Woods could even walk or speak, he he had implanted in his mind mm. what a good golf swing mm-hmm. looks like. This is basically. <laughs> Basically, this is basically what Cameron's strategy this, this is, is here. Yeah. He, yeah. He, Cohen's going to be like that young Tiger Woods that went on Johnny Carson was and was sinking, you know, 15 footers <laughs> on the putting green. You know, Cohen's going to go on at nine and just deliver a blistering hot take. Or maybe style. Cameron is testing like maybe he's beta testing Camp Relevant. And next summer, oh, part of the model will be having a camp. summer camp in the offices. So this is like this Rella is like the, kids. The, no, no. The, I see it more as like fantasy camp, where like where grown grown adults will go and like sign up like for space like camp. Or baseball yeah, or something and go uh-huh. like play like with major leaguers. This is like, we're just going to get people to come in and be like, Hey, welcome to relevant fantasy camp. Hey, your job today is to write a feature story on Malcolm Gladwell. The interviews <laughs> in an hour. So get ready. Yeah, this is a the Tom, dream. Tom Sawyer painting the fence situation. Uh, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Make it yeah. sound this really is a great fun. idea. This is a, this is, I think camp we're on relevant. Here. Yeah. I'm, I'm trademarking that as soon Guess as we hang what out. You get to do the new. Newsletter. <laughs> <laughs> Relic Camp. I like it. Let's do it. Relic I made camp. that up, by the way. Relic Camp? Yes. Oh, he made it oh, up. Oh, like oh, last did. year. And last Cohen's year. Cohen's going to be dead mother. <laughs> and we were in the car the other day, to your, to your point about the golf swing, we were in the car the other day, and Cohen's just quiet, you know, we're just listening to music, and he goes, he was thinking of names for his future podcast. Oh, oh. Cohen, like, you, you told me to. What do we you got? You told me to. 
Don't I, you dare say it. I don't don't re- say it. I'm not going to say it. I'm okay. not going to debut your brand. Somebody Wait, you aren't going to tell us, Cohen? No. It's, he's still workshopping it. He doesn't think it's ready for primetime yet. Also, he's already really learned. Like you got to keep much. the audience. Wait, waiting. can you give us some options? Give us some of your, like the early thoughts. I don't really have... I only have like two. Yeah, yeah. He was just, okay. it was just, he was in thought and he just said, hey dad, you know, I'll probably not use this one, but one day if I did a podcast, I I could call it X. You know, like he said in it. And he said, but I'll probably not like it by then. You know, so he said, yeah, he's, I said like, it's a process. I get it. Yeah, I was like, that one's definitely not going to stick actually. Yeah. So he's just, he's just throwing <laughs> the noodles on the wall, seeing which ones stick. I yeah, like it. I like it. Part of the process. Exactly. Uh, big news before we move the show along. Big news. Uh, Annie had a lot of Instagram stories this week. Lots of dots. Lots of dots. Oh, I did. My dash has turned to dots in New York. Yeah. Only once. Yeah. And and uh, I I didn't see them. I went on I went on social Thank media a lot, but I saw somebody tweet about the dots, and I saw that you defended the dots because you had a big thing happen. <laughs> Tell us. What I got you a do tattoo. This? That's what I did. I got myself a New York City tattoo. I didn't see it. So what happened? Like, what's like, what, what is it? It's white. She's holding it up right now. It's white. It says make America. Hold on. I can't read it. Lotion. Hold on. on. Make America great. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've had trouble. (laughs) (laughs) That's not good. That's not good. Like, it's going to be old news by November 2021. I respect your commitment to the brand <laughs> but yeah god thanks um it's a white tattoo which is great except do you guys know for white tattoos they go over them twice and so oh, it's wow. like getting oh, a tattoo on top that. of a tattoo and it is oh. brutal it hurts it's still it's hurts. already because because you're already sore from the first go over right and then you got to do that again right know. right um i like getting white tattoos because i can teach on stages and do public things and if people don't like tattoos they don't distract them and so i really like them and i like them because i i'm mostly the only one who sees them but um, this one i got savor this um because it's a phrase i've been using a lot the last couple years my enneagram sevenness tends to rush through things and Uh, wants to get to the next thing before i'm actually whether it's good or bad whether it's pain or fun i tend to like when something fun starts, I'm already like, oh no. Like when the World Cup starts, when the World Women's yeah. World Cup tournament started, in the first game, I said to a friend, I'm so sad this is starting because it means it's going to be over. <laughs> Has it started? I, I must have missed that I one. No, you're Enjoy. a monster. <laughs> and, um, and so I, that's why I got Savor This is because it's just a good reminder that whatever I'm sitting in, joy or sadness, the right move is to sit in it, not to try to rush through it. Mm. So. That's really tattoo. I love that. Whenever I'm sitting in something, I tend to just say, you know what? I'm just going to sit in it. (laughs) Yeah, you definitely do that, bud. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) You know, I tell that to our relevant fantasy campers. He's like, really? I got to (laughs) schedule out social media posts for the entire evening. And I'm like, yeah, same. Which of y'all have tattoos? Does I know Huck does. Do you, Jesse and Cameron? Nope. Yeah, I I have two. Yeah. So it should stop hurting soon, right? Chandler's got lots. Oh yeah, Chandler, you got yeah. lots too. Chan- Chandler yeah. travels all over the world for specialty pieces, don't you? Chandler, Chandler's yeah. body looks like in the inside of a cave, <laughs> uh, like yeah. a, with hieroglyphics. Yeah, if, with, if that, with <laughs> drawn on by very skillful cavemen. <laughs> That's right. 
yeah. Chandler's body he, looks he, no, like no, literally, literally it's, it's it's an early human, uh, you know, throwing a spear at a buffalo. It was a weird decision, <laughs> but why not? <laughs> <laughs> real, real, real talk. Chandler's is mostly Pokemon related. Um, yeah, that's right. Tattoos. It's got a yeah. big. He's got a big Charmander. He's got a big Charmander. The God. Uh, Pokemon on his shoulders. It's very impressive. <laughs> That's one. <laughs> it's going to go dark here. You know the good news. Oh, in case you're ever in like, you know, a plane crash or something and and, and you guys are surviving out in the wilderness and people are going to feel bad when it comes to having to eat each other. You can just be like, no, 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 it's good. You can savor this. Like, <laughs> you know, I can uh, offer uh, my left forearm. If it comes to it. It prepared was, for this long ago. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm just picturing at her funeral when she's laying there in an open casket and everybody's walking up to pay right. their last respects and we all look down at her and because y'all are all going to outlive me. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, wow. What do you know that we don't? <laughs> and they look down and, and, and we just were reminded by you to savor this. To savor this pain. To savor this moment. I'm telling y'all, sit we, in this. when I had a breakup last year, a friend of mine said, you should savor this. It matters. The pain matters and you should sit in it. And I like tried and we've just, I've just kept that phrase with me and it's really, I mean, I know this is, we're not supposed to be serious on here, but it has really impacted me. It's made me a um, better at my life to slow everything down. Did you, did you know that you wanted that or was it like an impulse? Yeah, no, I've been drawing it. No, I've wanted it for about a year and a half. I wanted to get far enough away from the reason I started saying it so that it wasn't about a dude, but I wanted, Uh, but I've I've wanted it. The, I've never stopped wanting it. So for the last couple of weeks, I've been drawing it on my arm and looking at it. And so then when I got here, one of my friends here in New York was also like, I've been wanting a tattoo. And I was like, this is happening. Yeah. So, That's very and cool. I'm at the very beginning of writing a new book. And th- there's just a lot of reasons this season season. That's so Christian. This season makes a lot of sense for me to go like, let's mark the beginning of this with something that really matters. Yeah. So yeah, that's I think really if cool. 18 months later, you still want a tattoo, you should probably do it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a good, it's a good general principle. Would you ever do an impulse? You're, you're a seven, Annie. So I feel yeah. like in the right, in the right mood, if you're with the right crowd, you know, if it, it was just like yeah, you yeah, and a yeah. buddy. Like at Christmas were, when we were all Annie, hanging out after the Christmas Annie show. Annie and Tyler. If, Annie and yeah. Tyler are just downtown Nashville, totally. you know, in and out of the honky tonk joints. You're like, you know what? We're running it. We're getting a tattoo. I don't, what is it going to be? I don't know. We'll find some, we'll figure it out when we're inside. Yeah. If you, you if, it, if there's a chance that if we were all together and we were like, let's make a memory, let's do, let's do something that matters to all of us there. You, it would not be hard to talk me into that. Yeah, I, I I like your eighteen month thing because if only I had waited just a few more months, I might not have the Domino's pizza mascot from the nineties. <laughs> yes, you would. That's yes, annoying. you would. Uh, uh, tattooed on my shoulder, but you know, at the time, his carefree demeanor and just weirdness really got struck a chord with me. He likes pizza, and a lot of kids oh these days. Gosh. A lot of these up and coming oh, podcast listeners in that. Prime demo. Uh-huh. They don't even know. They don't even know the Noid, and they don't eat Domino's. So it's a pretty big. <laughs> I sent. Pretty I regret, sent Jesse. I sent Jesse a picture last week of a. Uh, there was a guy who had gotten a tattoo of Morrissey, uh, the lead singer of the Smiths. Who obviously, obviously, it's hard not to like the Smiths, but Morrissey has gotten very problematic yeah. lately with a lot of associations with white nationalist groups. So this guy who has Morrissey tattooed on his arm, very he like very openly just crossed just a big X through it. Just not mm-hmm. didn't try to didn't take it off, didn't try to, you know, mask it into something else, just an extra. And underneath he wrote somebody who he thought would be non-problematic, somebody who he could safely tattoo on his arm and wear with pride. And of all the many people who are out there who you could choose, somebody like safe 
Fred Rogers comes uh-huh. to mind. Yeah. Uh, Tom Hanks probably gonna probably gonna die without any major scandals. Ooh. This guy went with somebody who is probably like not controversial. He's probably right. I just wouldn't have guessed this one. Cheryl Crow. Wow. <laughs> very safe. But it's, but, very yeah, but it's safe not a portrait of Cheryl Crow. It's just the words Cheryl Crow written somewhat haphazardly. It's not just stylized. Above his name. Yeah. yeah. It looks like he might have done it himself. All right. We'll move the show along. Stay tuned. Up next, it's Slices. That's how I left a couple tan lines. I love my city. They let me cut the line on the rhyme. They walk on eggshells and landmines. They communicate with hand signs. You're listening to Chance the Rapper. The song is Do You Remember from his debut album that came out on Friday. Uh, debut album, you say? Yeah. Listen to Friday's edition of Relevant Daily and we explain. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Inhaler with My Honest Face. Today's show is brought to you by Bombus. Bombus uh, set out to rethink a product that was an afterthought in the marketplace. Two years of research and development led to seven material improvements to the design, performance, and comfort of the everyday sock. And when they first learned that socks were the most requested clothing item in homeless shelters, they knew they had to do something. So they started Bombus to make an impact on our community by donating a pair of socks for every pair they sell. And they continue that philosophy of thoughtful giving towards each clothing item they make. No matter what it is, one, per- one purchase equals one donation. So each pair of Bombus uh, socks are super soft, made with natural cotton, and every pair comes with arch support, a seamless toe, a cushioned footbed that's comfy, but not too thick. I have had, what, Bombas for what, two or three years now? It is yeah. my absolute favorite sock. Whenever I'm traveling and oh, yeah, I know I I'm going on an airplane, I'm going to kick the shoes off. I want to make sure huh. I'm wearing the Bombas. You, you know want what I'm seamless toes peeking around the corner, waving yeah. to people. And it, and it says like <laughs> Bombas on the toes, you know, so I mean, it's oh, okay. like, cool. it's fancy. So it's a little bit of a flex is what you're saying. Yeah. No, I just want comfortable yeah. socks. Yeah, Jesse said that yeah. Sounds like a flex. Sounds <laughs> like yeah, a flex. It's, it's it's a flex. I mean, when I'm when I'm on, I am pointing. Excuse me, sir. Can I borrow your issue of American Way? And he's like, which one? That one right there. Seamless toes pointing directly at the magazine. I <laughs> yeah, I, I did that little TV in front of me. I changed the channel with my uh, Bomba socks. You know. Oh. Um, have you seen that? <laughs> that, I have. that yeah, viral it's video? Gross. It's more sanitary than putting hands on there. <laughs> Here's why I don't put my hands on that screen. Some people put their feet on there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So right, you can buy your Bombus now at bombus.com slash relevant and get 20% off your first purchase. That's huge. That's B-O-M-B-A-S.com slash relevant for 20% off your first purchase. You won't regret it. Go check it out. All right. It's time for slices. What do you have, Jesse? Okay, I have obviously a twofer, and uh, well, one I'm going to start the with. The only way I'm, you come anymore, you always I know, come. With I know, two. because I find too much. Listen, my mind is a sponge of interesting information, and I feel my my love language is sharing it with my friends and our dear listeners. Okay, first one, I want to. I, I this one, I've always been interested in this story, and uh, this is kind of a, an interesting new development, and I'm interested in your guys's opinions. What do you got? What are your feelings on the shroud of Turin? Do you guys have any feelings oh, yeah. about it? Like it's, you know, I know I it's, think it's interesting. It's, it's, a, it's, it's kind of weird. Yeah. I, I, if you go over to like 
Rome or or the Holy Land or whatever, there's a lot of relics that you know they say, well, this is Saint Peter's this or this is mm-hmm. Jesus that, and yeah, it's kind of like. Eh. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, like it's like really, it's, I mean, it's unfalsifiable. I, I, yeah, like, I, I get that people want to believe that, but I mean, the likelihood that this is authentic is very, very low. It's yeah. neat to see. I'm sure it's period appropriate, but was it actually Jesus in the shroud of turn? I mean, come on, yeah, who knows? yeah. So mm-hmm. for for people who may not you know be familiar with this individual item, it is what. Uh, believers in the in its authenticity say was a a large piece of, a piece of cloth that was laid on Jesus's body um, after, prior to the crucifixion when he went into the tomb and something has left like an imprint of a human figure on this piece of cloth that you know true kind of believers in it say that something supernatural occurred possibly at the moment of the resurrection that left this permanent imprint on this cloth any what are your thoughts on the shroud or trend or do you not even really have yeah i just haven't i i think it's interesting it fits conspiracy you know me you guys conspiracy theories are always interesting to me and this one fits Mm -hmm. in that category of like okay what if okay yeah Uh, so years ago, the Vatican actually let three institutions study fragments of the cloth to do some radiocarbon dating to determine how old it is, because they'd already done some research on the material and what left the imprint. And they determined it couldn't it wasn't like ink or paint or something. That's something that they're not quite sure of left the impression on the piece of cloth. But if the cloth doesn't, you know, isn't 2000 years old, then that rules out if it's authentic or not. So years ago, Wait, they say said, that one more time. Sorry, my brain's trying to understand everything. If it's not 2000 years old, it for sure isn't the real thing. Yeah, it can't be. Got it. Right. Okay. So 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 they figured, you know, the, the, the Vatican has been kind of reluctant to share pieces of this cloth. But anyway, they sent uh, small piece fragments of this cloth to three different institutions that perform radiocarbon dating. And they all came up with the same result, which was huh. that uh, this actually dates back to the Middle Ages, you know, around twelve hundred AD, not no. 2000. So uh, that was okay. that was a few years uh-huh. ago. And so for uh-huh. a lot of people that that prove that it could be. Yeah, exactly. Case close. Well, now that evidence has been revisited. What? New researchers uh, on the cloth actually got permission to talk to the Vatican about it and got some data about the research and found that the pieces of cl- the, the cloth samples that were sent to these researchers years ago all came from the same part of the cloth on the fringes of it. It wasn't like fr- it wasn't like a from the middle of the cloth. And what they determined by relooking at the cloth, they haven't done new radiocarbon dating on the middle of it, but on the on the pieces, they determined that those pieces uh, are probably not representative of the age of the Shroud of Turin and probably were tampered with when nuns in the Middle Ages were attempting some restoration around the edges of the cloth to make sure it wasn't tearing. So what they found is not necessarily that it's 2000 years old, but the research into its authenticity that determined it inauthentic aren't aren't true results of the cloth. So it, so the evidence, the primary evidence that people were pointing to disauthenticate it, that evidence is now off the table. So that wow. opens the door that it could actually be 2000 years old and it could. Are they going to redo Christ. it from the middle? Like do new tests from if yeah. if the Vatican ends up letting them. Uh, the, so because it's in possession of the Vatican, they're. Uh, you know, 
they they haven't they haven't been uh you know that prone to actually share and let people experiment on it but with the with the the results of these new tests that they they just might do another round of radiocarbon dating so all I have to say is the shroud of trend is it's no longer off the table that it could possibly right. be the cloth that Jesus was wrapped in after the crucifixion. I'm not saying it is, but I'm just right. saying that, that according to new evidence, you can't rule it out. So are we going right. to teach conspiracy theories at Relic Camp? Is that part of camp? Probably not. Oh, camp director spoke. Yeah, yeah. Dead mother says no. Because I feel like bringing this biblical plus immediately, probably not. Yeah, probably not. That's But who says what's a conspiracy theory and what's just? Well, yeah, that's not like biblical information plus conspiracy theories. Feels like this would be a great segment for Relicamp, but Den mother said no, and so it is. So you feel like that isn't a conspiracy? It's just a little too hot for the mainstream for the lame stream takes. So, so Annie, your your take here is that whenever you you start laughing like that, I'm going to sound dumb at the end. Go ahead. No, yeah, I'm saying your take here is that Relicamp is basically like some sort of da vinci code type of quest with <gasps> instead of instead of me getting relic campers to do the newsletter so i don't have to we actually are sending them on a globe trotting artifact hunting mission here's what you're underestimating probably about is, nine out of the 11 campers will die a grizzly we'll death from yeah. medieval booby traps you're underestimating how much time you have to fill when you run a camp and so we need to have some backup <laughs> things like this because writing the newsletter is going to take about 90 minutes. And by 1030 in the morning, you're going to need something. So we need to have some conspiracy theory backup plans so just listen, in case. You guys, so listen, I'm you guys wrapped up, you guys wrapped up the newsletter. You got social scheduled for the day. You emailed yeah. that writer about those development edits and you also wrote new ad copy for the subscription. Okay. Next thing on my list. Oh, you got to spelunk through the catacombs <laughs> below the Vatican to find <laughs> what, what is hidden in the code in this picture of this weird treasure box I found. Good luck. I heard there's lots of weird, weird booby traps Be and back by your 4 life PM. will be cursed. Yeah. Try to be back by four because we want to really get to the bottom of this one yeah (laughs) Yeah. all right what's your other one okay so uh uh, finally this one uh this one's kind of this one i found pretty interesting um i think we all have our guilty pleasures with television shows i know i'm a i've long been a devotee to the jersey shore the jersey shore family reunion what's because y'all go there every year what i didn't know that the tv show I did not know that that was yes, your guilty pleasure. I actually pleasure. did know that about him. Well, it's oh, like your hometown it. heroes. Yeah, that's right? like his people. You got to represent. You got. You got to represent. It started the off as curiosity years ago when the when the series first came on because like oh yeah. I go to Jersey all the time. I want to. I want to see how it's portrayed on TV. Then you just fall in love with the characters. You know. Mike, the situation is he'll be out of prison soon and, you know, the show will be back and true and, and like it's just like the glory day. So um, but, uh, you know, I know we all kind of like to watch, uh, you know, some, you know, what I what I think it's fair to call, quote unquote, trashy TV, you know, and huh. everything from like reality shows to just like, you know, cable movies like on Lifetime that right. are probably not the, the greatest, you know, intellectual or uh, emotional uses of our time. But they're fun to watch. So researchers actually in two different countries in Italy and uh, uh, the Netherlands recently did did research that found that watching quote unquote trashy TV like on, on cable can will eventually lower people's IQ 
uh, and they they found this measurably. In fact, this science feels like obvious science. No. Well, I didn't think it could actually lower your IQ. Yeah, well, yeah, I, yeah okay. but I think, okay, so IQ is a debated measure of intelligence, sure. obviously. But like the 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 fact that the, the person who would be of high intelligence would probably want to be doing things in their spare time that would be stimulating intellectually. They would be reading, they would be going, experiencing, doing, solving, building something. They're not going to be the one who just sits there and watches eight hours of television every night. You know what I mean? So it's you're probably saying, a slight. You're saying that people watching this it actually goes lower. So if their IQ started out, well, yeah, the, but I'm number, saying like they the, watch TV and it goes down. Well, because they're not expanding their mind the way that the people who are doing other things are. So that person ah. is getting sharper and smarter as time goes on, and the person who's not doing those things dulls. I would yeah. assume. Or they're just not expanding their mind, you know, in a, in a way. Okay. Yeah, because basically it's the exposure to the TV that causes it. And not only did it lower standardized test scoring and IQ test scores, uh, but it also like lowered people's uh, feeling of like civic responsibilities. So they found a direct what? correlation between exposure to those kind of cable television shows to things like reduce voter turnout. So, (laughs) yeah, so, you know, that's not to say it's wrong to watch these, but there is, you know, now observable uh, dangers in overexposure. I guess like it's who determines what is trash TV? Like, do they list certain shows or what's the what's the factors around what makes is it any TV? No, I mean, they they were primarily focusing on uh, like cable channels that were doing like a lot of reality TV shows like, you know, kind of like talk show type of stuff, uh, not generally stuff that was considered like news or prestige Mm. type of television. So Um, interesting. So listen, I got no for years. I ran a segment on this show called the Oscar Stop Biz Award, where I specifically (laughs) not only celebrated, but awarded the worst of the worst of trashy TV. I am a trash TV advocate. Okay, Mm -hmm. Billy the Exterminator is one of the most decorated (laughs) figures in the history of the Oscar Stop Biz. Okay, (laughs) Preppers went on quite a run a few years ago on the Oscar Stop Biz. I have no beef with the genre, but it, it, you know, this this research does show to say that it, it, ultimately it has a negative social impact. But look, hey, you know, moderation with everything. If you want to if you want to ease into an evening before you jump into the latest Ken Burns doc and you want to watch, you know, like I said, uh, hoarders or something, you know, I just, do love just, hoarders. Balance, just balance it out with hoarders with, will make you a better person. You throw away your garbage. Well, especially if you have garbage piling up in every corner of your home. <laughs> especially if your coffee table your is a pile of garbage. <laughs> yeah, they quite literally will shame you and yeah. bring people to your house to do it. And they will film it and film your reactions. It's quite a show. It's quite a show. But no, but stuff like Live PD, I think, would qualify as like trashy TV. Like there's no real value to it. It's like we're watching actual yet- arrests. You know, and, 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 you know, the more you think about it, the more problematic it becomes, even though I've been a huge advocate for enjoying that show. Don't you think there's kind of been a turn that might, I I don't know if it would change the results of this, of this survey at all. Uh, 
from in reality TV for something that's a little more gentle, maybe a little kinder, a little more emotionally intelligent, even if it's not. I'm thinking of like British Bake Off, Queer Eye. Uh, I can't remember the name of that. Amy Poehler and Nick Offerman show. The where they, oh, yeah, the, the crafty show one. That was very make like it, lovely maybe? to watch. I loved it. Uh, and I feel like it seems a little more, it seems not quite. Yeah, because it doesn't I, I feel, feel like, like MTV still, is still doing road rules and real world 84. They, they right? got the hills. Yeah. They got the yeah, hills. Uh, it's still happening. Hills. Yeah. I know that because it was playing in my house all last night. <laughs> but I was telling, <laughs> I, and, and I'll say this, neither Tyler or his wife voted today. So I don't know if there's elections, but I probably should know, but yeah. my mind's too filled up with trash what TV. I no, but I, I do, I do kind of like the hybrid stuff where it is, you know, there's some sort of, even if it's not, it qualifies like educational value, at least you're like kind of exposed to something new. I was telling, I don't know if you guys, uh, I binged that show blown away. That's like they're advertising big on the banner of Netflix. It's a glass blowing reality TV competition. <gasps> and it's like something oh, I would never cool. in theory be interested in. And I, I dude, I plowed through that season. That has in no to make time. us smarter to watch people do their craft really well. Blowing that glass. has to make it was, good. Yeah, it was like, that I never be, thought yeah. I'd be interested in. So now I'm very interested in, in say the name blowing. of it again. Blown away. Blown away. Oh, I can't wait. Great title. It's like Top Top Chef and stuff like that. You watch and you learn, you know? Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, but have any of you made one thing you watched on Top Chef? No, but I I do. No, but I learn. But techniques, I understand things I wouldn't have been taught otherwise. Like, oh, that's how you braise something. Oh, that's how you knife skills to do this, this, this. You know, I mean, like, yeah, you're learning and you apply it to real life. I've learned you never use the ice cream maker on Chopped. What yeah, do you think? No matter how many times, no matter how many times, somebody always does it and it never works. You guys are out of your minds. Have you ever seen the show that you're on before? Yeah, I've it, learned enough. Yeah, well, well it, it, there is, like, I feel like, to be fair, yeah, there is a difference it's between like watching funny, like huh? a chef's table. It's like, well, yeah, now I know about this weird Peruvian village that smokes <laughs> salmon over cedar planks that are left over from the Stone Age. That's pretty cool, you know? But then it's like, yeah, I just watched Jersey Shore for an hour and I learned that Sam and Ron Ron get, got in a fight over a lasagna. <laughs> I was about to say, you better you be know? careful. We got Cohen in the house. <laughs> yeah, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what do you have, Annie? Um, you guys, I hope you're available on the first uh, Sunday in October because I think we should take a family trip to Japan. Let me tell you why. In. All right. In. All right. All right. Say okay, no great. There's a city called Nagoro. And Cohen, I think you're really going to like this. There's a city called Nagoro. And this woman started making scarecrows because it's a farming village. And she okay. started making scarecrows. And they are... Um, took off in popularity in their community cool. and people started saying, Hey, can we have one for our field? Can we have one for our field? And when she moved back, she grew up and left. And when she moved back, there were like 3000 people. Nope. Sorry. Sorry. There were 300 residents in this town. Well, most of them are like 50 and older. And what started happening is when people would pass away, their younger relatives would say, hey, will you make a scarecrow that looks like my grandmother to put in our yard? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and now oh, there are more scarecrows than people 
in this town oh, no. oh, and no. it's like a oh, destination that's where we're going because there's a this scarecrow sucks. festival the first sunday in october every movie. year i've seen this movie i it's, know how this ends this, i tell you how this movie ends uh, it's directed by eli roth we go for a carefree jaunt to the creepy scarecrow island <laughs> and all of a sudden yeah. us we, we find ourselves halfway through this movie and in, in large wicker bird cages hanging over the yeah. village while they're like yeah. chanting okay yeah. the scarecrows to come to life yeah, this is really creepy okay um, uh, there are construction workers with hard hats installing a road sign, a couple sitting on tree trunks, a boot wearing fisherman on his front porch with his daughter sitting beside them. Oh and the village's oh. only school. I think this is crazy. This is fascinating. The village's only school shut down a few years ago because the last two elementary school age kids in the village finished and so Finished. now they've turned it sure. into a museum Mm-mm. of students, teachers, and parents. Mm-mm. There's like a classroom of 12 no. kids sitting and you can go tour it. <laughs> no. Oh, no. no. Yeah. No. Cohen, are you in? Yeah. Oh. No. Every time I hear something, like I picture it in my mind. Yeah. And so I'm just picturing that's, that. That That's, that's going to no give good. me nightmares for yeah. weeks. Cohen, Cohen, good, and, good, good. And Cohen and his dad don't like scary things. So we're going to Yeah, we're, we're I get terrified pass. by a bird. Yeah, he does. Yeah. So well, this, uh, the artist, her her father's alive, but her mother passed away, and her mother's scarecrow is sitting in the living room. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no. yeah. It's like you go over there, you go over there, and you're like, oh, just sit outside with this. Just sit in the living room with the scarecrow while I finish uh, freshening up, and we'll go out. And, and you're sitting there in the living room with the scarecrow, and you hear this, help me, help me, <laughs> and you're like, did you, did you? Is your grandmother inside the scarecrow? And she's like. Just their soul. All right, let's go. Out. Where do you feel like eating tonight? I know this place that does great uh, 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 salmon smoked on cedar planks from the Stone Age. It's great. Let's go there. Yeah. Back in the uh, 80s, there was a phenomenon of Cabbage Patch dolls, right? Yeah. And, and right. These, these children, they were little, little, I love cabbage little patch things, dolls. and they had a name and a birth certificate and all this stuff. Well, one Christmas, uh, my grandmother has a lot of grandkids and couldn't afford the name brand Toys. For everybody so she spent the year making cabbage patch dolls <gasps> in the likeness of the child oh, that that's she really was nice. giving it to so, in the likeness of the child this, so yours looks dude. like you so it looks dude. just like cohen so so that's it was so like mid 80s and and i i i mean i was too number one i didn't play with cabbage patch dolls but number two i was like too old for him anyway and she gave me a like a little baby cameron as a Christmas oh, present, and it was like with with painted eyes, and and it looked, it, I mean, it looked as much like me as a homemade cabbage patch doll could. And it can't. I'm like, you can't throw it away. What do you do with it? Right. You know, I mean, it's like a thoughtful, loving present. So you still so, have it. So that thing followed me from house to house, move Literally, after move. I would burn like, it. I one time yeah. burned it and buried it in the backyard. He showed it <laughs> when I moved into the new house. He was sitting on the <laughs> deck. <laughs> I'm nearly crying right now. Had, I had, this is too I terrifying. <laughs> well, the justification was every time, like, I don't want this, and and my mom would be like, well, you get, you can't throw it away. Number one, you need to save it for your future children. Yeah, because so, Cohen like, needs that. Where I'm is not, it? Is it I'm in not Cohen's taking room? I am not. I'm well, never taking buddy, that. Buddy, when we finally moved out of Baldwin a year and a half ago, I saw it in the in the in the attic. You still had it. I had it. Wait, dude. it was in the attic. It was in the attic. That's terrifying. And it's no I, longer part of our family. I've been hearing, hearing tiny footsteps up there well, for a long time. Even, the whole no, reason I to keep it. I never would have wanted that. No, of course not. Like a creepy homemade doll. Never, oh. never. I don't want any doll. It was like awesome to have. It was like too big. It wasn't like the Cabbage Patch size. It was like 
half the size uh, of an adult. Oh, I think you know? I, I remember this. Yeah, it was like yeah, too tall. Terrifying. Wait, 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 wait. Cameron, what was he wearing? What was he wearing? This is very important. <laughs> a light blue button-down shirt and wait, a yellow light blue shorts. Button-down? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Last time I stayed there, a little boy came into the room and said he wanted to play. He said his name was Cameron, too. I figured he was like a buddy down the street. We played for a long time. And he gave me this... I thought it was weird. He gave me that pentagram necklace, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> guys, I'm, I'm, done. I'm starting to get a little concerned. You know what else weird? This explains this, why there is a small caricature uh, Cabbage Patch homemade uh, yeah. one of Chandler, and he's wearing like a tiny Supreme hat from the 19, <laughs> 1988. Just, I thought that was weird, but uh, all right, what do you have, Tyler? <laughs> okay, so this was this was kind of interesting. Uh, I'm interested to hear you guys' theories about why about why this is a big new uh, report from Pew from about uh, religious literacy in America with a lot of interesting findings about how much Americans actually know about world religions, about the major faith groups. Um, one particularly, so lots of, we can't get into the whole survey, but one really interesting tidbit that I thought was very strange and I can't figure out why this would be the case. For the most part, in general, the more Americans know about about a religious group, the more inclined they are to like the adherence of that group, even if they themselves don't adhere to it. So if you are not a Muslim, but you take it upon yourself to study some of the tenets of Islam, you're more likely to have a more sympathetic view of other Muslims, which makes sense. We, sure. I, I think most people would probably, you know, that's empathy and empathy yeah. Yeah. comes from understanding. Kind of, and yeah, the major exception to that is, is when it comes to Protestants, the people who know more about religion tend to have a cooler, a colder view of Protestants uh, than people who know less about religion. Mm -hmm. uh, so for some reason, and that's the and it is the only faith group in America that actually trends that direction. Oh wow! And uh, they didn't really get into the theorizing behind why that might be, other than uh, the group actually, somewhat surprisingly, the groups who know the most about religion in America tend to be people who don't have a religion. Atheists and agnostics are more likely to have a, a better understanding of world religions than people who are actually in those religious groups. And so the idea might be that if you're an atheist or an agnostic, you might not have a super warm view of Protestants. Yeah, it'd be interesting to find like what the point of like the real point of like correlation is, right? Because yeah, yeah, like, exactly. is it is it because the, a lot of people probably their knowledge on Protestantism is based on growing up in a country that is a majority Protestant that has a know? lot of Protestants, and right. so it, it would it would on one like I don't know if it's actually anything about Orthodox Christian teaching that is turning people off or if it's the fact that that teaching was for lack of a better term sort of forced on a lot of people in this country just because mm. by uh, virtue of it being so popular yeah, you know, yeah or, i think or that's if really they were possible jewish and and catholic or you know just they're they would still have you know probably been you know kind of marginalized by majority mm -hmm you know, Protestant population. Yeah. So they would have a negative view and they would have to, yeah. you know, be very close to it. I mean, they would, everybody in America pretty much is very aware of Protestantism. And so you're, you have a major part of a, a country that probably was marginalized. And then you have a big part that walked out and left for right. a reason and their tips it toward the majority. And so like it, that doesn't surprise me at all. 
Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it was, there was a lot of, there's a, it's huh. all based, this is all based on a survey, a 32 point, uh, survey just about world religions. And uh, you can take the survey. We have a link to it on the, on the site right now. Fewer than 1% oh. of people who took the survey got a hundred, aced them all. Uh, but yours truly did ace the quiz. So, oh, well, the, 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 I don't mean to brag, just, but that's I, not really the slide. So I just wanted to, it's part it's a, it's, so it's, it's, I have a true for the whole quiz. <laughs> just let you know, According to an online IQ up. quiz that required me to give my social security number and email address to get the results from, I am, I am solidly in the 55 percentile. That's top half, ladies and gentlemen. Um, the, uh, the entire slice was 1% yeah, was of America. Smart. 1% of America. 1%. Yeah, less than 1% of America knows what I know. 99th percentile. <laughs> um, so on average, uh, Protestants got about half the questions right, which is a little bit higher than the general public. Um, atheists, agnostics, and Jews scored the highest. Jews significantly of all the faith groups surveyed, uh, knew the most about world religions. Uh, and, uh, and what's uh, also interesting is on the survey, only about one in five Americans could answer the questions about Protestantism correctly. Uh, oh, and that's wow. lower than any other faith group. So Protestantism, Protestantism, despite being, uh, the majority religion in America was actually the one that's understood the least, according mm. to the survey. Uh, and even Protestants themselves had kind of struggled with those questions. About half of them were able to answer questions about uh, things like sola scriptura and sola fide. Oh, smart guy. Here we go, smart guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here <laughs> but he that's goes again. kind of what all this, all this data coming out that the younger generations are leaving the church and the rise of the nuns and all this stuff. The, the counter wave to that is that the cultural Christianity is what's waning. But those mm-hmm. who remain are more committed to the yeah. faith. They go deeper. They understand. You know, they're they're it's stronger. And so it's like I think what you're you're, you're reinforcing the point that like, yeah, I mean the data may say that people are leaving the faith, but they don't even know the faith. It's a cultural thing to them. Like I, I guess think that's true. I guess my family's yeah. Christian, so they checked that box on a survey, and now they aren't checking that box anymore. But it's really like they didn't even know what they were saying they believed anyway. So it's. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting that it's like, yeah, shifting, I think but. that I think that's probably true. I feel like there's and we've seen some studies and reported on some studies that have borne that out, yeah. that the people who that while there is a a pretty uh, significant and growing exodus from Christianity, uh, there's also the people who do stick around are more committed, tend to go to church more, tend to pray more, tend to read their Bible more. So this is probably confirming that there's a lot of that there's still a lot of people out there who just claim Protestantism because that's what we've always done, but all my friends mm-hmm. do. And that's me too. I mean, right. it's the results are, are troubling. I mean, Christianity, Protestantism finished just barely above a weird doll religion that requires you to <laughs> carry around a figure of you to household to household, wherever you live and talk to it. I've never seen this before. The one that's dressed like you that followed me here, Cameron, he's yeah. actually now hovering about a good three feet off the floor. And I don't know what to make of that. Uh, but but no, in all seriousness, we'll, we'll try to, uh, I know this is mostly what we talked to Christine Kane and Derek Minor about is this weird doll religion, but after that, <laughs> it will be done. And we will move on to your dad jokes for the editorial question of the week. Okay? Just stick so, to the dad jokes. Just, just stick with us for another half hour 45, then we'll get to the dad jokes. But we got a lot of doll stuff to discuss with, with you know, two premier Christian thought leaders. So, oh my goodness. Here yeah. we are. Maybe that's part of Relicamp is every famous Christian leader who comes through to be interviewed. <laughs> 
our gift to them is a handmade oh. doll in their likeness made by oh, one of yeah. the Relicam. Rick Warren comes by for a visit and he's like, Oh, it's great seeing you, Cameron. It's great doing, yeah. you know, seeing the crew doing the interview yeah. as, you know, uh, and thank you for this warm gift. It's a doll like scarecrow made in the like with me, likeness of me. And for some yeah. reason, he appears to have the mark of the beast. This is quite, <laughs> a, quite. <laughs> I guess it's a statement of some kind. Uh, quite uh, a gift. metaphor. Quite a gift. And then we're just like, we didn't make a doll for you. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> then, then we look over in the office ball pit and we just see Cameron's doll and he's just slowly sinking below the ball. Uh, get him! Get him! There he is! <laughs> <laughs> we look all over for him. Can you imagine? You really should have. Oh, he gave the Rick Warren like... doll the mark of the beast. Get him! Kim is freaking out about that doll. He's losing his mind. Oh, I should have saved it and just put it in the ball pit. Just have the head peeking out. Uh, well, all right, that'll do it for slices. Stay tuned. Up next, Derek Miner joins us. You're listening to Shura. The song is The Stage. Rapper Derek Miner is one of the 40 artists, influencers, activists, leaders, and thinkers to take part in a series of roundtable discussions about the future of the church, culture, activism, and intentional living in the 100th issue of Relevant, which is out now. Uh, Derek opened up about his insights into hip-hop's important place in modern culture and the church, and also addressed why casual racism is so destructive. Uh, Tyler, you actually spoke to Derek for the issue. Uh, tell us about it. Yeah, we had a really interesting conversation, especially about music and some of the trends that he's seen um, with regards to his own place and, and uh, the music industry and some of the trends that seem like they might be something new, but are actually just manifestations of something that's been around for a while. Uh, he noted to me that Although uh, him and other some of the other guys from places like Reach Records had a lot of success with some of their early uh, albums, uh, Christian hip uh, inroads in Christian hip hop, he feels like once they started being more outspoken about social issues, uh, things that they observed like racism, then a lot of their early fans uh, left because they weren't playing by the rules. And here was some of his uh, thoughts about that. From what I've gathered, it feels like there's this this uh, Superman hero complex with Christianity just in general. So, hey, let's uh, fly all our missionaries in Africa and save Africa, as opposed to saying, hey, how can we partner with you here to make mm -hmm. to make things better, right? Uh, I mean, when you look at colonization of Africa and of America, it was spent as it was worth helping this country. Um, and then when you fast forward and we look at it, no, nah, not really, what was happening was those were uh, wars that that were that those were wars in the name of God. Right. Um, so I feel like the scriptures are going to. That's why I feel like you know in uh, the Bible when Jesus says there's going to be many people in the last days are going to say Lord Lord did not cast out devils in your name. There's going to be plenty of people that's going to be like Lord Lord didn't we evangelize America for your name? Mm -hmm. He's going to be like depart from you. I, you workers of iniquity because it's you, you look at the crusades and it's like 
yeah, we took all this ground for Jesus and we shed all this blood as well. And all these Jews and Muslims. Like, I don't think Jesus is going to be like, oh, come on in, man. Good job. I, one of the things that, you know, about the roundtables, I know we talked about before is like, you know, intentionally kind of being retrospective, but also forward looking. And I feel like what Derek said there manages to do both. Like, hopefully we'll learn from the mistakes of mm -hmm. the past and rethink about. And we've already I feel like there's already been sort of a movement to kind of rethink the model of like short term missions and things like that. For sure. For to, sure. to empower communities instead of just going in and, you know, essentially taking them over for like a two week period of time with high schoolers and matching t-shirts, you know? So. And I think that's something that one thing that he talked a lot about that, he, that was very important to him was uh, the church uh, and Christians need to be willing to learn from other movements, from other cultures, uh, from from other things that are happening. Uh, he said there's a lot of there's a lot of lessons and it can be nuanced, too, sometimes because uh, you can't just lift what's working wholesale from the mainstream market, but you can find things that are working and find ways to apply those things. Uh, and one thing that I was really interested to hear his thoughts about that we asked a lot of people in the roundtable about was why. Uh, the the hip hop movement in particular has had this recent sort of God movement with people like Chance, uh, Kendrick Lamar, obviously Kanye, uh, Kirk Franklin was involved in all of those. Uh, why are they? Why was that movement there? And he had sort of an interesting take on that. That uh, upon reflection, I think is really true. Black people specifically, when you're talking black music, mm -hmm. it's never had an issue with God. Yeah, ever. That's true. Yeah, ne n never. <laughs> I mean, it's just not. I, we're just, uh, and I hate to use a sweeping statement, but from by and large, most people I know, we're just very God centered people. Like we, we love God, even if He's not the center of our life. Like I know dudes that literally, uh, and it's just, I know dudes that literally do some of the craziest stuff and be like, man, I just thank God he was watching me <laughs> out there while I was selling these drugs or whatever. He was like, bro, I don't know. <laughs> we just have this thing in us that, that makes us desire um, or, or, or that doesn't rub us the wrong way. I think that's an interesting thought because it is really, it speaks to something that I think is sort of confusing for people who aren't necessarily, who weren't raised in the black church, who can be sort of confused about why uh, people like Kanye can rap about drugs and God and the same and not only the same album, but the same song sometimes. But I think it's true that for a lot of black music, there has been much more of a, a longstanding uh, willingness to be associated with the church in a way that doesn't necessarily have to mean sanitize the rest of the music. Yeah. And I think too, as like, you, you know, hip hop in a lot of ways has replaced, you know, rock music and has, you know, in to a degree, like even certain, you know, streams of pop music as the predominant, uh, you know, musical genre. And as that's happened, I think as kind of a result too, some of those themes like faith and God, it's are becoming more commonplace in a lot of like mainstream music. Yeah. And I think that's something. So what I wanted to know from him was from his perspective, what does that mean? Because obviously uh, there's not going to be a whole lot of people who are, who are uh, like in the, in the Christian hip hop world, the reach world, uh, who are going to be doing a lot of talking about uh, being on the streets selling drugs or anything or anything or talking about uh, some content that might be considered objectionable. And I thought that his nuance in exploring what the takeaway there was really interesting. I think the thing that people do like about Chance is the the contradiction. That's what people loved about Pac. Mm -hmm. Pac would write a song about shooting people up 
And then behind that, he wrote a song about Dear Mama and Let's Heal Our Community. I think we all live in that space. Nobody is 100% good or 100% in their mind thinking good thoughts all the time. And I think that that's the thing with Chance. It's like one minute you're going to get, you know, a God lyric, then the minute right behind that, he's going to be honest about wanting to smash a girl. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think that's the problem with Christian art in general is, and, and unfortunately, it's just the culture that Christianity has created. I think the, the, the problem with Christian art in general is you won't hear a Christian artist admit that, man, I wanted to smash that girl and, and, and actually talk about how he actually did it. They'll only say, man, I was just dodging temptation. No one ever talks about <laughs> the temptation they fell into and, and the dark places that they actually been beyond these vague terms. And I think that that's why people connect with any artist is they hear their story and they say, yo, I, I agree with what you're saying. You, you're speaking my language. You're speaking my story. I think that's a, that'd be a tough one for a lot of the industry to take hold. Obviously, there'd be a lot of uh, some of the gatekeepers probably wouldn't be happy about that sort yeah, of. I don't uh, think Z eighty eight point three, say for the little ears, is going to yeah, be. I don't, yeah, I don't think Caleb's going to be. Yeah. But, but yeah. I think it's very true. I think that there is a. I, I don't think that means it's wrong. It just means there's a systemic, uh, some systemic issues in place that would keep that sort of honesty and vulnerability and authenticity from being really marketable on a on a Christian yeah. level right now. Yeah, and it's not. I feel like it's not just in music too. I mean, it, you absolutely. Know, like, if you're in any sort of public position as a Christian, you know, you are held to a higher standard. And I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing, but there doesn't seem like it does seem like it limits the opportunity for how vulnerable and authentic people can be. You know. We talked a little bit. The, this conversation just happened to take place uh, just a couple of days after the initial round of tweets from the president uh, telling the squad to go back where they came from if they weren't happy with the states. And he was feeling uh, he was feeling some type of way about that. Uh, yeah, uh, and I thought it was interesting to hear uh, for all the the pontificating about was this okay or was this not okay or in what way is this uh, exactly what sort of of uh, underlying assumptions are being dealt with here. Uh, I really appreciated the the passion that he brought and I thought that'd be an interesting uh, for y'all to hear his comments on those as well. He just literally told a bunch of American congresswomen to go back to Africa and yeah. sit. Like that's the most racist thing he was. I remember people saying that to me as a child uh, when I when I grew up in the rural South, and I'm thinking to myself, I've never even been to Africa. To this day, I've never yeah, been to Africa. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like yeah. I, I, I really connected with those ladies when I heard him say that because I'm like, man, that is just racist. Like, just go back to where you came from, and, and the only place you know is America. And, and I think that you look at the church and it's like, ah, oh, we need these Supreme Court justices or anti-abortion, et cetera, et cetera. And it's, and it's like, okay, I dig it. Yeah, there has to be a way we can get those things without playing dirty. I don't believe in the idea of the lesser of two evils. I believe that there's, yeah. I believe that we we side with the people that are, that are honoring the Lord. Mm. We I don't, we don't usually go political on this podcast, but uh, that's that's some truth right there. And, yeah. and, and I feel like, you know, outside of the context of recent events, I think those are refreshing. It's like a refreshingly apolitical in its at its core, which is no, you, you know, we, we shouldn't have to settle whatever settling looks like. We We right. should be able to vote in a way that's honoring to our faith and our values 
And that, you know, that's a challenge just to us all. I saw someone engage Derek Miner on this on Twitter and said, well, how could I do that? And I think that the person on Twitter, I think, was talking about the, you know, the recent presidential elections. But Derek Miner challenged, you know, the person kind of came back and said, what if, there, what if there isn't a lesser of two evils? And Derek Miner, I, his response of one of our listeners was or one of our readers was then run for office like uh, you mm. know, and I, I do feel like that, be the change you want to see. I like yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so do mm-hmm. I. I because I that. and it doesn't matter your party. Like if if you feel like there isn't a representative candidate out there that's going to maintain the values that you think should be represented in your culture based on your faith, then then run. You know, like I I think that's a a, a really positive attitude to take. You know, we have or become an organizer or get involved in uh, grassroots campaigning or lobbying or, you know, I mean, there's things that you can do if you're not the lead candidate to enact change from within. It's like the church, same criticism about the church. Oh, well, it's this, that at surface level. It's all about, it's a fake. And now I'm going to leave. It's like, well, be the thing that you want the church to be like, get involved, like agitate from within, rub the cat's hair the wrong way. You know, I mean, it's like, it's a good thing, you know, that you see things differently and that you don't accept status quo. You know, so politics, church, the whole thing, like turn it for good. Don't accept it for how it is, you know, because it doesn't you're because you're not wrong in a lot of these cases. Like what you're I I think the 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 assessment that like, well, I don't know how to vote for lesser of two evils. I think that's a valid I think that's a valid uh, complaint. But I think then just checking out is is not valid. That's a a lazy way out. Yeah. And and I, I think, look, this this last election cycle has shown and, you know, different people have different opinions about her politics. But I feel like her story of someone like AOC, who's like 28 years old and, you know, uh, prior to becoming an elected official, she was a bartender. It's listen, it's possible to be young, to not have a big platform from the outset and still make an impact. And you, you never you'll never succeed if you don't try, you know. There you go. That's why I'm announcing today my candidacy for the for the u.s presidency u.s presidency oh, wow. how could be 2020 wow straight, for, the straight for the big one huh? yeah swinging for the fences i'm, I'm gonna be the local controller i don't even know what the controller does but i, I feel like i need the i think control. it's comptroller the comptroller yeah i think it's comptroller i don't know what it does well <laughs> that might be that might be why when i called down to city hall they said i'd be running on a post so um <laughs> Comptroller. I don't know. That's very confusing. All right. That'll do it for Derek Miner. Make sure to read more of that conversation in issue 100 of Relevant. It's out now. Get it at newsstands nationwide. You can uh, view it at relevantmagazine.com. And you can also subscribe. If you subscribe today, you will get issue 100 sent to you. It's a, it's a landmark issue. Very, very unique. All right. Stay tuned. Up next. We bring you a preview of my conversation with Christine Kane. I bought a Montclair coat for the times we're broke. I'm a wed in the summer on LeBron James boat. Front row, duh, bro. We don't sit on those bleeds. Ain't your pockets obese? They won't fit in those seats. And we like a co team. Shaq and Kobe. Like back in 03. I was only like six. I was like 16. But I can give a 16. I can make it. You're listening to YBN Corday featuring Anderson Pack. The song is RNP. Well, like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, season two of our long form conversation podcast, Unedited with Cameron Strang, debuted last night. Um, we wanted to bring you a short segment of that hour long conversation. 
uh, here on today's podcast. My guest was Christine Kane, who is one of my faith heroes. She is somebody who is quite literally changing the world. She's uh, She founded um, A21, which is a organization that is fighting human trafficking and slavery. I think their their mission statement is to eliminate slavery everywhere forever. Um, it, they're doing amazing work. She founded Propel Women, which is raising up women in the church um, to lead and find their God-given callings. Um, she is an international speaker. She's authored something like more, more than 20 books. Uh, she's preaching every day on global television and has had some of the biggest stages in the world. The, the thing that's interesting about Christine coming from Sydney, she came up in the Greek Orthodox Church and then she moved over to the Charismatic Church and now she's getting her Master's in Divinity at Wheaton. She Propel is a Southern Baptist partnership. Uh, it's uh, Nobody that I know of uh, straddles so many different, of, uh, different streams in the body of Christ. Her perspective on the global move of what God's doing in this generation is truly unique. She brings depth in her teaching. She is bold and outspoken, and she is, like I said, one of my heroes. Uh, here's a few minutes of the conversation that I got to have this week with Christine Kane. The truth of the gospel is still the truth of the gospel. And Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of the living God. Our, our, our job is to continue to advance the kingdom. I mean, he came and said, go into all the world and make disciples of all na- nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now that is Jesus's last commandment to his church. Mm-hmm. And until this would be, if you're saying, what is the one thing, Chris, you think for the church of the future until we make Jesus's last commandment our first priority, we're not really going to move forward because I think that's what it all comes down to. I th- the truth is we have a generation that doesn't necessarily want to do that because of the misuses and abuses of that in the past, and they don't want to be associated with what they would think is a white colonization, racist, misogynistic um you know, kind of thing called the Christian church. And we're saying that's not what she ever was. Uh, Throughout the 2,000 years of church history, there have been many seasons of great injustice and pain and and people did things in the name of God like had slaves where you go, I I can't even understand how you read your Bible and had that. Um, Oppressed women, I don't know how you read your Bible and do that. Um, Oppressed the poor, the marginalised, the immigrant. I, I don't know what Bible you're reading. But the fact that hopefully God has brought those things to the fore and we have a generation that goes, okay, Faith without works is dead. It's not faith or works, it's faith and works. Um, evangelism and justice, men and women, mm. um, black and white, you know, like go through the whole thing. It's all of us together. It's not either or. Um, I think if we have the courage to go, we are going to be that new wineskin, we're probably going to get a whole lot wrong in the midst of all of that. And that's when I said to you really early on in the podcast you know, I can get involved in a whole lot of debates publicly or I can just try to forge this way forward. Deeply painful to do it this up either is deeply painful. Either comes with a lot of kickback. But um, if some of us do not begin to somehow in our flawed humanity build a third way forward um, and help create this new wineskin, we're going to have a a lot of uh, disoriented, disenfranchised, 
spiritual orphans out there that will die in the wilderness, just like happened with the children of Israel. A whole generation came out of Egypt, bondage and slavery. The purpose was to go into the promised land. But 40 years later, they died in the wilderness. I think prophetically, that's where we are right now, that Mm. a generation, if we do not, if we don't have a few Joshua and Caleb's, spiritually speaking, that are strong and very courageous, that go, okay, we're going to go in, we're going to cross this Jordan, spiritually speaking, and we're going to take the promised land um, that God has given us and establish his kingdom here on earth Mm -hmm. as it is in heaven. And we're going to create the new wineskin and we're not looking for old wine to come into the new wineskin and we're not looking for new wine to go into an old wineskin. So we're going to do the hard work of dying to self, crucifying our flesh, good old-fashioned Christianity, creating a new wineskin that is not either or but is both and. Mm. Um, I'm going to do that hard work and we're going to move forward and we're going to be in this world but not of it. We're going to be consecrated. We're going to be fully immersed in this culture but not of the culture, fully immersed in this world but not of it, because at the moment we're in it and of it. You can't change a world that you're both in, that you're the same substance as. Mm -hmm. So until we go, I am willing to be sanctified so that the fruit of the Spirit is produced in my life, um, I don't think we're going to see the gifts of the Spirit in the way that we need to see them to have this great revival that I believe we're going to have mm-hmm. until we're willing to be put in the fiery furnace and have the fruit of the Spirit developed in us. Because I don't think this next wave, uh, you know, we've had such an excess use of the gifts with no fruit, mm. and we've had a whole lot of fruit with no gifts. Mm. You need both. You need There's nine gifts, nine fruit, and I think the new way forward, and that's why, you know, people like you and I that have come through, I mean, I had a Greek Orthodox background, then came into a charismatic background, and now I'm, you know, very woven into the evangelical world, and I'm like, wow. <laughs> um, but the only thing I can see with all of that is that it's both spirit and truth. Mm. It's fruit and gifts. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the new way forward. To hear more of that conversation, go wherever you get your podcasts, download uh, Unedited with Cameron Strang. The new season uh, kicked off this week. And I uh, would love for you to check it out and spread the word. All right. Stay tuned. Up next, it's your feedback. Oh, boy. listening to Grizz Folk. The song is Heavy Crown. Okay, before we get to feedback, uh, we need to bring it back. First time in a year or so. It's time for our corrections and apologies. Uh, okay, so oh last boy. week on the show, Annie failed to correct us when I right. very so. frequently mispronounced Candace Cameron's last name a whole bunch Candace of times. Candace Cameron Beret. I'm sorry, but beret is B-E-R-E-T. And hers is B-U-R-E. Well, it's Russian, so I think it's different. But yes, oh. we did get, we did get, I got directly chastised by Candace for not, but I was saying it right, but I wasn't going to interrupt y'all. I just didn't know how, to, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. Okay, first of all, I've only seen her married name in print. I've never heard it spoken. So, you know, in print or like on the screen for Full sure. House and things like that. So I didn't know. But when I saw Candace Cameron tweet you, <laughs> that yeah. Annie, you didn't correct these guys. I, I was like, oops, sorry. 
So our apologies to Candace Cameron. Luckily, we have Beret. this segment right now where we can say, everyone, it's Candace Cameron Beret. 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 This awesome. will be, mark my words, Annie, F downs. This will be the last time I'm humiliated by you in front of a cast member of Full House. <laughs> the last time. <laughs> I know right. I said that three other Full times, house. but this is it. This isn't like a c- correction or apology. Well, maybe it's a little bit of a correction, but one of our astute uh, Twitter followers pointed out that both Flame and Katy Perry don't have any legal claim to that track that they are in court about that we told you about last on Friday's show. We played you a clip of Flames 2008 song uh, that had this certain uh, synthesizer syncopation that then showed up in Katy Perry's 2013 song Dark Horse. Okay, we played you the clips back to back. You guys were the jury. You decided tore it apart. (laughs) But one of our astute listeners pointed out uh, Chandler, do you have the clip? Yeah. That both of them pulled the sound and large part of the melody from a 1985 song uh, that we've all heard. Play it now. Oh. Mm. Now, the the order of the notes is different, yeah. but the sound and all the modulation and stuff like that, basically, they just yeah. need to play this in the court case. And Who, who is this? And what is this song? The band is Art Noise. The, the song is... Moments in love. You know, wow. I know where I know where I remember this. It's on the DVD menu screen of uh, one of those Sly Stallone sci-fi movies. This, this is the sound. This is the sound of a DVD menu screen. Turn it up, Chandler. Yeah. Like you remember that when you put on when you put on a DVD and there's just like a random song playing while you're like, oh, do I want to watch director's commentary or for some reason that would never make sense? Jump to the seventh scene in this, you know, seventh chapter in this film, like. <laughs> When were DVD menu screens a great idea? You know? (laughs) Well, we got to have something for them to listen to while they're deciding through this plethora of options, you know? I can hear the similarity. I can for sure hear it. Oh, yeah. 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 It's It's not exact, but it's there. It's real. All right. Now it's time for your feedback. Last week on the show, uh, we we put a scientific test to you guys. Um, A study came out that said laugh tracks like scientifically proven that laugh tracks make people laugh at jokes that they wouldn't have otherwise laughed at like bad humor, like big bang theory and things like that. Um, And so Jesse brought it to us, did some corny dad jokes without the laugh track and then did some with the laugh track. Sure enough, way funnier with the laugh track. So we asked you for your, bud. you had me from get go. (laughs) So we asked you guys on Twitter to send us your best slash worst dad jokes. And we are going to read them now. And see if they are better with a laugh track, right? Are we going to do the laugh track experiment again? We probably Is that what should. we're doing? We yeah. All right. Should. All right. So uh, Chandler's back there ready with the laugh track. Ready. And, and ready you guys hit us up at Relevant Podcast and send us a whole bunch of dad jokes. And we're just going to rapid fire read them to you. Some of our favorites. Here they are. All right. Okay. This one's from Bethany. <laughs> hey, wh- guys, why did Adele cross the road? To Why, say, Jesse? To Why? say, hello from the other side. <laughs> <laughs> it works. I mainly was happy you picked that one because I wanted you to sing that. That's what I was no, here for. Was terrible. I know was terrible. you guys and a lot of listeners are surprised I got pipes like that, that I've been hiding yeah. these pipes for a long time. <laughs> uh, M- Michael said, uh, two guys walk into a bar. The third one duck. <laughs> <laughs> that, that one got me. I laughed out loud when I read that one. Uh, oh. Ryan also said, why can't you trust an Adam? Because they literally make up everything. 
Here's one from Ryan. How many tickles does it take to make an octopus laugh? How many? Tentacles. <laughs> we also uh, need, well, I feel like we also need, just for the sake of science, like a cricket sound effect, too, to see what that does. Yeah. Uh, Jessica said, two fish are in a tank. One says to the other, how do I drive this thing? <laughs> All right. Hey, guys, how did, how did the hipster burn his tongue? Oh. He drank the coffee before it was cool. Come on, now. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to Cohen on this one. Cool. I feel like Cohen, you're going to like this one. Yeah. Uh, did you guys hear about the two antennas that got married? The, the yeah. ceremony was okay, but the reception was great. <laughs> <laughs> that makes no sense. Oh my goodness, Annie! He just said that makes no sense because his Aww. generation doesn't know what an antenna is. I, I have I have a five minute bit about developing film in a dark room that's just thrown <laughs> out the window now. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Thanks a lot, d- d- digital generation. You digital let's, see, let's see. If, let's see how Gen Z feels about this one. Johan said, "Why can't you hear a pterodactyl in the bathroom? Because the P is silent." <laughs> If we're going Jurassic, here's here's one. Jessica said, "Why can't a T Rex clap his hands? Why? Because they were too short. Because he's extinct. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we thought you were zigging, and you zagged. Uh, like what you did there. Okay. Hey, what do you call a cow that doesn't produce milk? Um, What's that? Uh, uh, I've heard a mi- this. A milk dud. No wait. Another failure. <laughs> no, Both answers are excellent. <gasps> did you did Cohen laugh at that one? No. No. Oh. I didn't know. Wait. Uh, here's, here's one that maybe didn't age well. Jess said, uh, what did the digital clock say to the grandfather clock? Look, grandpa, no hands. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Do you know what a grandfather clock is? Uh, yeah. The big, tall, standing ones yes. with the... And you know what a digital clock is? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. The numbers? Yeah. That's hey, guys, guys, mountains aren't just funny. They're hill areas. <laughs> Mountains aren't just funny. They're hill areas. Yeah, I areas. Expect, I, I'm not going to lie. That one felt like hill a areas. Oh, yeah. Hill I like areas. this one from Michael. He he said a polar bear walks into a bar and says, "I'll have a rum and coke." Bartender says, "Okay, but why the big pause?" The polar bear says, "I'm a bear. I've always had them." <laughs> <laughs> Try some without the laugh track. Let's right. let's roll the rest without. Okay. It. All right. No laugh track. This is just going to be on the merits of the brilliant okay. delivery. Okay. I think we should redo some of those without the laugh track. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Okay. All right. All right. Go ahead. How about, how about this? Here we go, guys. This is just. It's a terrible joke. There's no laugh track. I will make you laugh just on the delivery. Okay. okay. Oh. Okay. All right. Okay. So, <laughs> hey guys. Hey. Have you, have you heard about the corduroy pillows? What's that? No. They're making headlines. Headlines. I said headlines. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When you lay on yeah, yeah. them, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to dumb Ryan, it down for this crowd. Ryan said, "Why can't a bicycle stand up by itself? Why can't a bicycle stand up by itself?" That's no train. Because it's too tired. It's too tired. It's too tired. It works on two levels. Ryan also said, "Why can't the pony sing lullaby? Why can't the pony sing lullaby? Because it's just a little horse." Just a little horse. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. How about They're growers. Th- this They're is, growers. Th- this is a variation on one we told earlier. It's from Crystal. Don't, none hey, of these really make sense. Wh- why do hipsters wear beanies in the summer? Why is that? Because they have to wear them before it's cool. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> I find Very if you just shout something after the punchline, like, give it to me. 
Tim it said, uh, "Why joke. did the farmer win an award? Why did the farmer win an award? Was that? He was outstanding in his field." Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I yeah. love that oh, one. Yeah, yeah, I do right. love That's that one. Good... <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of losing faith in these. I'm going to be honest. Yeah, with I, know. You. I know they're funnier the, the on Twitter. The laugh track really makes a difference. Really does. <laughs> really does <help. laughs> I still love two guys walked into a bar. The third one ducked. I still love that one. That one's my favorite. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Last one. I see it. Ryan said, "How do you know a joke is a dad joke? How do you know a joke is a dad hmm. joke? How's that? The dad told it. No, because the punchline is apparent." The punchline. <laughs> I do like that one. Apparent. It's apparent. That one doesn't need a laugh track. That one soars on its own. It doesn't need any training wheels. Yeah. That, yeah. Push it. That soars on its own. Uh, okay. It's time for editorial question of the week. All right. Well, earlier in the show, we talked about things from our childhood. Well, it started with the the Japanese village Japanese, with, yeah. with the, with the yeah. scarecrows, which started out well intended uh, and tipped over to being creepy. And and we've we just uh, started off us, creepy. No, a scarecrow is a functional thing for an agricultural community. It's true. You know, it just got it, it turned creepy. When it, it turned yeah, sure. yeah, you're not speaking for the crow here because they're act, they're literally afraid of them. It's in the name. They're scared. <laughs> they, they're ter- <laughs> it's all fun and games for the humans. Those crows are terrified. Terrified. Very scary. So then, you know, I mentioned the well-intentioned Christmas present of the homemade Cabbage Patch doll in my likeness that ah. followed me for 30 more years after it was gifted to me. Literally um, followed. <laughs> it got us thinking about uh, things from our childhoods that Turned out to be unintentionally terrifying. <laughs> so we want to know stories from your childhood of things that seemed normal to your family, but in hindsight turned out to be probably pretty, pretty creepy. Yeah. yeah. Hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast, or you can post your longer ones on the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. All right. Well, many thanks to Bombas for making the episode possible. Remember, you can buy your Bombas at B.O. M-B-A-S.com slash relevant to get 20% off your first purchase. Do it. I've used that URL myself. Uh, many thanks to Derek Miner for joining us. You can follow him on Twitter at the Derek Miner. And to read more of that conversation, check out issue 100 of Relevant. It's out now. You can view it at relevantmagazine.com. It's available at newsstands nationwide as well. Um, also, uh, you heard you heard a preview. You heard a little bit of season two of Unedited kicking off uh, this week with a fascinating conversation with Christine Kane. Um, to go hear the rest of that, check out Unedited with Cameron Strang wherever you get your podcasts. And on that note, we will wrap things up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Cohen Strang. I'm Chandler Strang. There's a lot of Strangs here. <laughs> I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Tyler Huckabee. And I hate to tell y'all, but I'm a Japanese scarecrow. And I'm, oh. and I'm, and I'm little Cameron Shrang, and I'm here to play. <laughs> Where did it come from? <laughs> oh, no, no. Turn it. <laughs> I can't believe you doubled down on that. All right, we'll see you on Friday. Have a great week, everyone. I could be a killer, gonna get you Thank you for listening to the relevant podcast if you like what you heard be sure to leave us a review on itunes check out other shows from the relevant podcast network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com and while you're there browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store make sure to subscribe to relevant magazine 
Info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe. and I'm here to play. Where'd it come from? Relevant Podcast Network.